mystical, so unpredictable here on the SNL Network. Yes, that is right. Welcome, everybody, to the Saturday Night Network's Hot Take Show, coming to you live right after the Travis Kelsey and Kelsey Ballerini episode of Saturday Night Live. So excited to be with all of you in the chat tonight for what I'm sure is probably a different more fun, more exciting episode than what we got last week. And I'm looking forward to breaking it all down with our panel tonight and everybody in the chat. So first up, let me bring in my man, Bill Kenny. Bill, how are you? I am doing great, John. I am so glad to be back. I'm so happy that I'm on this week and not last week. And uh, I, you know, I'm never sure how I'm going to feel about these sports uh, episodes, even I'm even as a big sports fan. So um but Travis delivered, and uh, I'm really, really excited to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. Very excited to have you on. And let me head over to our second panelist joining us here tonight, and that is the lovely Kalina Steckel. Kalina, how are you? I'm great. I'm coming at you from my new digs that I just moved into this past week and stoked to talk about this episode. For sure. Well, let's get right into it with our hot takes or headlines from the night. And it's always very interesting when we get a professional athlete to host the show the first time since J.J. Watt in season 45. And the first time in the history of our podcast, we get to talk about an athlete hosting the show. So, Bill, what is your headline coming out of this evening? Uh, Travis Kelsey was more Charles Barkley and less Deion Sanders. Uh, I feel like uh, this this was... More in line with what we've seen with a lot of the good sports hosts, the Peyton Mannings, if you will. Uh, and he was game, just as everybody else has really been game, except for a couple notable exceptions this season, uh, to do whatever was asked of them, whether it was in the background, playing play the front, um, and easily making fun of himself uh, with no issues. So I had a lot of fun with this. And uh, yeah, th this will be up there with the higher sports episodes for me. For sure. Kalina, what was your hot take or headline from the night? Yeah, I have to agree. I thought the show was really great, uh, very much in the same kind of boat as Bill there, where I, I actually look forward to episodes where an athlete is going to host because I think we all have like Peyton Manning as the bar, the high bar. And then we're kind of just waiting to see like where the next person is going to land. I have to admit, I had no idea who this man was until I asked my boyfriend who he was. Um, so I, I had no expectations and therefore was very pleasantly surprised. Right. I mean, I was pretty aware of Travis Kelsey from his uh, time in the NFL and, and fantasy football and all that stuff. And I've, I've seen him around for a long time. And I just knew like big personality, he was going to come in and he was going to be great. And I think one of my bigger questions coming into this week was, were they going to, you know, center the sketches around like NFL stuff, um, which I, they didn't, at least in the live show. And they sort of what I what I saw from tonight was they made a lot of sketches around Travis Kelsey as a character or as a personality. He really felt like a host that you would never really know that he was an athlete if it wasn't for the fact that he's just like this huge guy. So for me, he was just like beyond just being a professional athlete. He was a really good host. You know, maybe cue car cards, he could have been like a touch better with that. But beyond that, I think as a performer, he was extremely strong. I felt like the first half of the show tonight, um, 
for the most part, was extremely strong. And I was like, where was this last week? It was so good. Uh, I was having so much fun with the show. So I can't wait to dive into the sketches. I think a very strong episode from the Kelsey's tonight. And we will dive in right now with our cold open from the night. And this is a Fox and Friends cold open. The last time we saw this was in the Chappelle episode with uh, Trump at Tiffany's wedding. We get the same crew back. We get Mikey as Steve Ducey, Heidi as Ainsley Earhart, uh, Bowen as Brian Kilmaid uh, coming back. And this time the guest appearances are JJ as Mike Lindell, the MyPillow guy, uh, who we did see in the Jack Harlow Sketchers sketch earlier this season. And then Keenan, uh, I guess he's contracted to do an OJ Simpson appearance once every uh, once every season, because <laughs> the last time we saw this was he was on update as OJ in the Gerard Carmichael episode in season 47. But very brief, Keenan as OJ here. Bill, what do you think of our cold open tonight? Well, you know, the tag of the Fox and Friends immediately triggers me because I know I need to let it go. I know that casts move on. But this was such a great sketch with Taryn and Vanessa and uh, Bobby, friend of the show, Bobby. Sure. And so I'm I'm just never going to get used to Bowen doing Brian Kilmeade the way he does. But after I got past that, there was a lot of funny jokes here. There was a lot of uh, good stuff with the texts, uh, the whole Dominion thing. I mean, it's a couple weeks late. I don't know why they didn't really cover this last week. Um, but uh, getting the Murdoch, Murdoch jokes in. And that was the point of the OJ. I don't know uh, if you're if you're not on Twitter a lot. Within minutes of the uh, Alex Murdaugh murder trial ending this week, OJ was on there saying, "You know, down goes Murdaugh." And you know the irony of this guy who was accused of brutal murder, and you know, so I, I think that was kind of why they snuck it in, or maybe Keenan just wanted to do it again. Uh, but yeah, I had a lot of fun with this after I got past my initial questionableness of doing Fox and Friends. Kalina, I felt like one of the positives I took away from this was it felt pretty short. Like it didn't feel like we were stuck on Fox and Friends for a long time. They sort of got to the jokes quickly, especially the Keenan part. What do you think? Uh, yes, and thank goodness. I'm actually pretty comforted to hear Bill's take as well as what I'm seeing consistent in the comments as well, because that was my first thought. I was like, God, this just isn't the people who did it before. And I, I feel really bad because t as a as a viewer, that's very limiting to the new cast that's trying to come out and kind of, you know, make their mark and do their own thing. And so I, I don't love looking at certain things that way, but sometimes I can't help it because it was just done so well that you kind of can't you can't be open to like a new version. So I think part of me kind of checked out immediately. And I was surprised to hear you mention how long it's been since we've had the Fox and Friends, because as soon as it started, I was like, oh, gosh, this feels like the millionth one. So I don't I don't know if it's just feels really repetitive when it isn't. Um, I am not on Twitter. And so the, the cold opens, unfortunately, don't really hit for me that well, because I'd say a solid 75 percent of the time. I'm not actually even aware of what the topic is because I just, I'm not really on social media. I kind of just keep my head in one lane. Um, so to be honest, this this didn't do too much for me. I was kind of taken aback to have Keenan as OJ kind of show up. And, you know, I laughed a little because I'll always laugh when Keenan is doing anything. But um, overall, what wasn't anything big to get me motivated for the episode. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I think as a fandom, we are the aspect of the watchers who go naturally to think about the previous era of the show and what they did with Fox and Friends. I do think like, you know, the cast that, you know, were in those sketches, the writers, they're not there anymore. So I think that using Fox and Friends as a vehicle to get across the topic of the week, or as Bill said, maybe the topic of the last couple of weeks is... Uh, you know, something that we have to sort of give them the leniency to do, though, uh, you know, it is fair to say that those sketches were so iconic and you can't help but make the connection. I, 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 I sort of like don't really know what to do with this, basically, when you watch it and you make those comparisons for us. But I'll just say, if I'm going to look past them tonight, I do think that the brevity of the cold open totally made it work for me much better. I sort of like, you know, if I'm like Kalina, I'm not on Twitter, I don't really know what's happening with the news. SNL basically caught me up on the politics of the week. They had some cute jokes in there. The OJ live from New York was, you know, very brief, did its job. So I can't really complain about the cold open tonight. I don't think it added anything significantly to the show. But as far as negatives are concerned, this wasn't really, you know, so bad, in my opinion. All right, let's get into the monologue tonight. And we have Travis Kelsey coming on out. He gets, you know, talks about how he loves being there at the show. And he's talked about this all week. And when he was on Fallon, just about how when he was younger, he used to watch the show all the time. So he is a real fan of Saturday Night Live. And he comes out, uh, talks about some of the eloquent speeches he's made throughout the years. And we hear more and more and more. We get to watch (laughs) some footage, which is really fun. He does a really fun uh, Patrick Mahomes imitation, which I'm sure... Uh, all the sports fans are going to love. And then, uh, you know, the, the interaction between Travis Kelsey and then both of his parents are there in the front row. Who, And by the way, the parents were not there in dress rehearsal. So for anyone who was at dress, uh, they didn't get to see the parents. Um, it's Donna and Ed, I believe, Kelsey. Uh, but the uh, his brother. Jason Kelsey was there and it's the interaction between Jason and Travis Kelsey that is really fun here in the monologue for me, Kalina. What do you think about it? I love this. Um, So as I kind of mentioned at the top of the show, I had no idea who this person was. I didn't even know who was in the Super Bowl. I don't know who won the Super Bowl. I was at work. So it was out of sight, out of mind for me. (laughs) (laughs) When I was talking to my boyfriend about the podcast yesterday, he's like, oh, who's hosting? I was like, I don't know, this like sports guy. So I just had no frame of reference for who he was or any of his recent achievements. And then I was even talking to my boss about it at work today and he was filling me in on his brother and that he I guess played for the opposing team and so everyone was trying their best to get me prepped for this and so I was really pleasantly surprised when the monologue happened and I felt like it was a great monologue written and designed maybe for a viewer like me who isn't necessarily tuning in for Travis but is going to become introduced to Travis and I loved it I thought he seemed really comfortable He didn't seem nervous. I felt like the monologue had a really good pace. I think oftentimes, um, not necessarily just with athletes, but maybe someone whose profession isn't really in the arts, I am always kind of looking out for like, where are the awkward pauses going to be? And when is it going to become really obvious that this was written around the person, you know? And I just didn't find myself noticing that with Travis. Um, So it got me excited to see what else he can do. He had really high spirits. I thought it was a really great way to start the episode. 
Absolutely. I totally agree with that, Bill, you know, what Kalina said, except there was one joke, which was kind of inside if you watch Super Bowl, which was about the holding call at the end of the game. So I feel like this was, you know, obviously, Kalina, that's not something that you get unless you watch the Super Bowl. But uh, to your point, I think it was so fantastic because they introduced Travis Kelsey and his brother, who are two, you know, strong personalities. They host podcasts together and they're really well known around the sports world. But also they had some fun for the sports fan, too. So I think this was a great monologue, Bill. Yeah, it was a little bit something for everyone. Uh, I, I We've seen the brother interaction in the monologue before uh, with the Mannings, um, but it didn't feel repetitive, uh, especially being able to, and, and mentioning the holding call and cutting to his brother sitting there pouting in the audience. Uh, I love the minivan joke that uh, it was awkward after the Super Bowl because they came in their mom's minivan. Um, and then... I, I don't know. I felt a little callous that he teared up. Like it feels real, but at the same time, this is the third time this season we've seen a monologue end in in tears. So I don't know. Maybe I'm a callous old man. But who are the just, other two? Uh, Pedro and uh, I can't think of Austin the Butler. third one. Austin yes, Butler. Austin Butler. So it, it's been three in the last month and a half, two months. So someone's I don't cutting onions when they walk out. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm just happy that we got back to the warm monologues after last week's weeabase of a monologue and, you know, getting back to this. Oh, yeah, I brought the dictionary tonight, John. Um, <laughs> so, <All right. laughs> but yeah, I mean, this, this to, to get back into this personal space with these hosts that you don't, as Kalina references, that you don't have to know where they come from, what, what else they do, that they're just there to be the host and be as good as they can be. And that's all there. That that's all that we want from this monologue. Well done for sure. Yeah, yeah, it was really great. And let's head into the first sketch of the night, which is American Girl Cafe, where Mikey is the uh, the main employee that we get to see working in American Girl Cafe. Uh, he walks over to Sarah Sherman, who is with her daughter there, and they're playing with the American Girl dolls. And then. You know, right at the table over is Travis Kelsey, who apparently is not waiting for anybody. The gang is all here. He is with his <laughs> dolls, Claire and Isabel. And we get to also see uh, Heidi as Lucy, the manager. Uh, Devin comes in as Darius, the security guard, because everybody is very concerned about why, why is Travis Kelsey sitting there alone with the dolls? Uh, they ask him for his ID and, um, you know, make sure his hands are on the table. This was so funny to me. Bill, what did you think of American Girl Cafe? I love this so much. Uh, the only note I had was that uh, I wish they had gone meta and called him Jeff Montgomery, uh, because that would have just been perfect <laughs> to, to call back Will Forte's classic uh, character. But yeah, I mean, I, all is right with the world this week again with the show, because we've got Mikey back to being the shocked bystander, you know, in the waiter role this time. But, you know, he, he keeps checking to make sure that he's not a predator. Uh, and, but then, and, and of course, we get the good escalation with he's talking to the dolls. Uh, he's making them face Keenan's table and get your makeup on girls because you got a cute boy over there. And, uh, you know, then we get Keenan doing his thing. So, yeah, I mean, th this had all the all the things we need for the lead off sketch and uh, very, very funny. And Travis, you could tell Travis was going to be ready to do anything tonight. 
Yeah, Kalina, just starting off with this sketch, I really felt like it really set up the night in a great way. It was really strong. We got to put Travis in his prominent role. And it was just the right amount of weird where it was, you know, not over the line where everybody was so obvious about it. It was like the coyness of, is this guy a creep or is he not? And I, I, I had a lot of fun with this. What did you think? God, I loved this sketch. I was laughing so hard. It, it's it's Mikey Day in like my favorite iteration of him just being like weird and annoyed and bothered and loud and dry and funny it's it, it seems perfectly written for him it feels very much like his sense of humor I'm not sure who the writers of this sketch were um, I think someone in the comment mentioned that it very much had his feel as well um the line where he said he's not aroused I already checked literally made me drop what I was doing because I was laughing so hard I was like organizing something on the floor and I just stopped everything I was doing it is a little early in the order of things it felt like in terms of like the writing like that seems like something that I would see later in the in the show normally but I agree with you so much that it had so much energy and it was so fun and kind of so weird right away and to Bill's point, it set up like, okay, this host is going to do whatever we're throwing. And so it really just, as if I wasn't ready after the monologue, it really propelled me forward to see what else they were going to throw at us. To me, this was genius in terms of a production decision, Kalina, because there are so many people who watched SNL tonight who don't normally watch the show because they had Travis there and they're targeting a whole new market. And people are like, oh, I want to see what Travis Kelsey's going to do. What I haven't watched SNL in a long time. Let me check it out. And the first sketch of the night is this weird-ass sketch, and that's not typically what SNL would do. You're right. They would put it later in the night, but the fact that they were able to you know, stretch that out and have fun with it, and, and uh, I think it creates a great impression for people to come back to the show. So I love that. I loved also the interactions between Keenan and Travis in this sketch. Uh, for me, the line that I really laughed at was... Uh, let the flirting begin. Don't worry, she's on the pill. <laughs> that just had me rolling. I mean, it was so weird and so funny. Um, I can't wait to rewatch this and talk about this more during the week. So uh, really great job from everybody involved in this sketch. Then we head over to another Please Don't Destroy. We get them for the second week in a row. And they are sitting in the office waiting for some interns to bring them some coffee. And they realize that they, uh, they need to go to see someone who can help bring them more confidence. So they go to a confidence class hosted by Travis Kelsey's character, Kurt Lightning. He's wearing a shirt that says, you are worth it. And uh, basically, you know, calls up John Higgins and says, you know, you got to learn how to punch punches John uh, too slow fatso as he falls to the ground. Uh, same thing with Ben Marshall sort of like kills him, I believe at some point, but then he ends up being alive, you know, very weird stuff. And then, uh, and then eventually, we get this whole interaction between Martin Hurley and this 82 year old woman where, uh, you know, he's asked to, to hit the woman, uh, the woman then <laughs> throws him on the ground, a gun falls out, there's a Russian roulette moment. Uh, it is just it, it absolutely devolves into insanity, which ultimately ultimately ends up with the interns finally coming in, hitting them and throwing coffee on them. This was a wild ride to take, Kalina. What did you think of it? I mean, come on, they had me a little bitch boys right away. That was so funny <laughs> to, to just throw out immediately. I think I have yet to see a, a short from Please Don't Destroy that I haven't been super impressed with that I haven't found really funny. And I think that with every new piece that they put out, they are just like really kind of edging their 
place in SNL, you know, like they're really making their mark for who they are, their style of writing, their style of comedy. I think they're beginning to really separate themselves from The Lonely Island, which in the beginning, it was hard for me not to make comparisons. Um, And yeah, something like this is so chaotic and so wild and has so many left and right turns that it's fun. It keeps you watching. It keeps your attention because you're just like, what in the hell are they possibly going to do next? I thought it was really great. Um, One that I'll definitely be going back to watch again. Absolutely. Bill, what did you think of it? Uh, much of the same. I, I, one of these weeks, Please Don't Destroy is going to do a bad pre-tape. This was not that time. Like This, this was fantastic. Uh, it's, it's really the only sketch that I feel 100% sure I'm going to love every week, no matter what. Um, even though it started slowly and you saw them getting knocked on their ass coming from 100 miles away, had to trust the process. And when they cut to that old lady, <laughs> that wonderful extra, I, we're going to find out that Sarah Sherman's grandma next week, but um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and for her to start playing Russian roulette, dropping the five bullets on the ground, spinning the wheel. And like, that was fantastic. Fantastic. And uh, yeah. And then the, even the ending was good, you know, kind of a letdown after the old lady, but you know, the interns coming in and, and throwing the coffee on them. Uh, great job again. We got them out of the office two weeks in a row, as, as uh, Ken says in the chat and a couple others. So uh, I, I think this is the direction we wanted to head with these guys. Absolutely. When we talked on the Patreon feedback show this past Thursday about Please Don't Destroy, we got a great question about them. We sort of came to the conclusion that PDD has probably been the most underrated part of this season, just in terms of the fact that they were such a big deal in season 47. And now they're just like, you know, hitting doubles, you know, just to use another sports reference. Like they're just very solid every single time. I don't know that the sketches are like standout top of the season sketches, but they're really good. I don't think they put out a bad one all season. Season. And I feel like it's so great for Saturday Night Live to have this section of the show. Maybe it's not every episode, maybe it's like two thirds of the season, whatever it is. But to know that they have a pre tape that is just like very solid, I, I love that. And I really feel like the whole thing about, you know, cleaning, you're talking about separating from previous iterations of what this could have been at the show. I just feel like they have their thing, which is like, why is this happening? Or like, what is happening around me? And like, that could devolve into any different machination that we've seen so far. And for whatever's to come, I'm excited because I love the possibilities. I love where they're going. It's really crazy. And uh, this was has to be one of my favorites of the season, for sure from them. So great job all around from PDD. Next up, we go to uh, the funeral sketch where uh, Kelsey is playing Dylan, who was the nurse of Miss Glenda, Ego's character. Uh, he also happened to date her, which is crazy <laughs> to uh, Miss Glenda's kids, Punky and Keenan, and uh, her grandson, JJ, uh, played by Devin Walker. And then we also have Sarah, who played JJ's girlfriend. But basically, very Weekend at Bernie's style, where Ego's, you know, they're playing dead. And we get all of these different interactions where we find out all the things that Kelsey did to Ego's character, including um, putting her voice on a string and a speaker into her, putting uh, $33,000 worth of hydraulics into Ego's character. So I'm so curious to find out what you thought of this. Bill, I'll start with you. This could have been a lot worse. Let me start with that. Uh, mm-hmm. Ego was fantastic. 
Uh, if you don't think sitting in a chair acting and not having to say anything is is not hard work, my goodness. Like she put on a clinic tonight and Bernie would be proud somewhere. Uh, so I, I love, I love everything that was going on here. Travis was game again. I mean, he, this was kind of where he went off with the cue card reading a little bit too much. I don't want to nitpick on that too, too much, but, uh, I, I, I love the part where, uh, you know, Keenan says he can almost hear her voice and then the, the speaker starts talking. Um, and I don't know that we needed her shooting through the, uh, building at the end, but Okay. Yeah, I mean that this this was not the best of the night by any stretch of the imagination, but I think everybody in it did a good enough job and Ego was fantastic. Absolutely. Kalina, what did you think? Yeah, I feel a little mixed. You know, Weekend at Bernie's was was the first thing I thought of, of course, and Ego was amazing. Um and I I was laughing, you know, throughout a big part of that being because there's always I think when there's sketches like this that aren't strong throughout there is often Keenan there to kind of throw out one-liners to keep the energy up a little bit. And so I, I was always looking forward to whatever the cut to him was going to be. But I couldn't help but continue to feel like it was just missing the mark a little bit. Like a sketch like this had a lot more potential, even though it's obviously a different concept. I even thought a little bit of um, the ambulance sketch from the Sterling K. Brown episode with um, Melissa Villasenor. And yeah, kind of just how, how the concept, you know, of like, when you have a character dying and you're trying to make it funny, that was kind of what I was thinking of, of like a version of a sketch like that, that really worked for me. And then one like this, that just felt like it was continuing to miss the mark. So I agree with Phil, not the worst of the night, but certainly not the best of the night for me. That's sort of where I'm at as well, though I did really like this when I saw it live. I didn't think that it was um, it had the twist and turns that perhaps it could have to put this over the top and make this, um, you know, like a four star or five star sketch. But as far as like for me, probably some are more like three, three and a half, because I think that Ego was really fantastic. I it was fun to get that physical comedy from her. I think Travis did a very solid job, you know, playing just like the weirdo here again. So I think like, you know, three sketches in a row, he just his personality was was great it was what i said for my headline which is like off the top i was like whoa travis kelsey is a really good snl host when i was watching him throughout these three sketches um so for me this was probably uh you know just because it didn't have a story that like was over the you know you don't have the twists and turns it probably didn't uh exceed you know the my initial impact when i was watching it but i really did enjoy it and i i have uh i, I can't wait to watch it again i think the start of this night was so strong for me. So really enjoyed that. Okay, next up, we get another pre-tape called Straight Male Friend. And this time, Sarah, Chloe, Heidi, and Bowen are all out for lunch when Bowen turns direct to camera and says, uh, you know, it's straight female friends are a lot, both financially and emotionally. And we get different examples. But uh, Bowen really feels like uh, there's another way. And that's with a straight male friend played by Travis Kelsey, who doesn't need to check in on things. And, uh, you know, when when he's moving and all different examples, uh, you know, Travis talking about uh, his dad dying, but it's all right. And, you know, the drama and it, it's uh, only when they talk about racing, <laughs> there's drama there. So uh, this was really fun. And I'm sure Bowen had a lot to do with the creation of this. Kalina, what did you think? 
I loved this, um, maybe because it felt kind of reminiscent and nostalgic to me of the sketches, the, the three tapes like this that were kind of in the, the early aughts. It made me think a lot of ones they would do with um, Sudeikis or Maya or Kristen, whenever, you know, they would do like a, a fake medication or even like mom jeans or something like that. You know, I, I very much associate this type of pre-tape with Saturday Night Live. Like when I think of Saturday Night Live and what kind of show it is, and what kind of things they create, I think about things like this. And so I, I thought it was really funny. I felt like it was a nice way to kind of let Bowen do his thing without him having to be dressed as like, I don't know, a whale or like something ridiculous at the, at the update desk. You know, like he, he really got kind of his independence here. Um, and I was, again, really impressed with Travis. Now, granted, he I don't think he was necessarily having to, to do much, but kind of referring to what you said at the top of the show, it seems like they wrote a lot of sketches where he was playing a character and he wasn't just like a body that was on the camera. So I thought this was really fun. Um, good, I don't know, good mid-level ranking for me. For sure. I have to give credit to Casey in the chat who pointed out something which I was thinking about a little bit, but didn't necessarily know how to verbalize until I just saw your comment, Casey, which is like, I think one of the things that I loved about this pre-tape is we're so used to seeing Bowen playing these eccentric over the top characters a lot of the times. And, you know, it was just so subtle in the way that he was going about this talking about something that I'm sure he probably has some personal experience with that is you know that's fun so uh, I think just the difference in the characterization from a Bowen Yang in this pre-tape was fantastic Bill what did you think of it I'm just thankful that finally SNL gives a voice to straight white males like this is just <laughs> we've been waiting for this for 48 years my goodness no this this was great uh uh Travis was game to to play with with uh, Bowen on this. I love the uh, video game comments. So, first of two times tonight that Travis is playing a video game to amuse himself, uh, but that's the only time that you really see drama from a from a straight male friend. Um, and then the apologizing to Bowen later on for being a pussy because he was so upset about his dad dying, and all he said was, "My dad died." Uh, yeah, it, this this was great. Uh, Really uh, emblematic of of a lot of uh, male friendships, uh, and uh, I, I like the way that they did this. Uh, Bowen was fantastic, for sure. Then we head over to Tears, which was actually a sketch that was retooled from the Jack Harlow episode earlier this season. That sketch took place at a Halloween party. This sketch now takes place at a bar. And in this uh, sketch, Jason Kelsey played Andrew Dismukes' character from that previous sketch. So those were really the main uh, differences there. But essentially, we get Heidi, Ego, and Sarah, who are, you know, out after seeing a movie and hanging out uh, only for Heidi as uh, Abby to find out that her ex Graham is there played by Travis Kelsey and they see each other they start apologizing and then uh, Graham's new fiance played by Chloe comes on in and the tears start going for Heidi and essentially this is just a tool for you know the tears to be gushing out and uh, you know the valves that they put in near Heidi's eyes and uh, basically as the escalation comes in from Chloe's character they talk about their moving and now that she's pregnant we get to see more and more tears uh, ultimately we find out that Jason Kelsey is Heidi's uh, new boyfriend so this was uh, this was an interesting one Kalina what did you think of it honestly I loved this um, it also made me proud of how far I've come as a Heidi fan because I think once upon a time 
I would have found myself really annoyed by this sketch. And I actually put in my comments that I couldn't visualize any other player in the cast doing this as well as I feel like she did. Um, her progressive like deterioration of her voice or getting whinier or more into just a, a sad, pathetic, desperate woman really was getting laughs out of me. I love when they do... Uh, you know, prosthetics or, or, or bits that are just really like outlandish and overdramatic and silly. Um, there's this sketch that I always refer to. I forget the name of it. Um, but I believe it has Jason Sudeikis and, uh, blood is gushing out. He's like in a doctor's office or something. And whenever acupuncture. it's, oh, acupuncture. Yes. And so whenever it's just so extreme like that, I don't know why that always gets the laugh out of me. And so very much in the same way, the tears just coming out so much, really just had me laughing. Um, it was, you know, kind of predictable. It, it wasn't the most uh, highly intelligent concept that I've ever seen, but it worked, I think, exactly the way it was supposed to for me. I know there's some question in the chat about Travis Kelsey's tears at the end and if they, you know, there was a mistake or not, if it didn't work. According to our friend Ellis, who was at dress rehearsal, uh, tears didn't come out from Travis in dress either. So not sure if that was, um, you know, intentional or not. I would assume so based on that information. Bill, what did you think of this sketch? This is the kind of slice of life relationship sketch that we, we were looking for in, in the past couple of seasons. And we've gotten a lot more of this year. Um, as opposed to what's coming on later in the night about not so slice of life relationships. Um, but I was so distracted by this tears. Um, you know, it, it, I don't, I think it's the first time we've seen this particular thing happen on the show. And it just, it kind of takes you back to the first time they used the vomit bag, like in the nineties and, you know, es escalating all the blood things that they did in that era too. And the first couple of times you see something like that, it's really kind of, it threw me, um, but it was very funny. I think Heidi did a great job. I'm going to have to watch this one a second time and pay more attention to what was really going on with, with the uh, characters. But uh, yeah, that, that was kind of my take on that at that point. So believe it or not, this is the only thing in the first half of the show that didn't really work for me. And I, you know, I like the idea here, but as far as the execution of, first of all, I have to say, I don't know why Heidi had to have that like voice or that accent of like, you know, it just didn't, it didn't really suit the scene in my opinion. Um, also, uh, when she starts crying, like, okay, so initial thought is, yeah, totally. It is kind of funny that she started to cry, that the tears are coming out and they're like cartoonish uh, over the top, but it doesn't like it doesn't really go anywhere for me beyond that like it's not like uh you know someone comes next to her and then like the tears go all over them a la what we saw i believe in the gleason episode with all the blood where it was like the joke was basically like how messy can you make the scene how much blood can you get on everybody and in their mouths and stuff like that i didn't feel like they did anything here with the tears that was like it, again like i think the, the uh basic basic premise here is like even you're watching this, you're like supposed to laugh at the tears, right? But then I felt like once that happened once, it kept like happening again. And then there was nothing else that like changed with it. So for me, um, I, I sort of was like, when I was watching this, I was like, I guess I could see like why this was cut the first time because there's nothing crazy about it. Um, so uh, definitely for me, not, not the worst of the night, but I didn't, uh, I, I felt like this was a step down from what I had seen previously. It, even with the Travis role, I, I just felt like um, really, really strong first half of the, the show. This one, not as much for me. All right. 
Let's talk a little bit about Kelsey Ballerini, who comes in as the musical guest. Uh, she sings Blindsided off of her new EP, Rolling Up the Welcome. Matt and, uh, yeah, country pop artist, uh, as uh, our podcast uh, listeners know, I am a huge fan of Kelsey Ballerini. So I just thought she was so good tonight. The vocals are just out of this world. Uh, absolutely love Kelsey Ballerini, and I'm so happy for her that uh, she got to perform on the show. Uh, Bill, any thoughts? Not really my cup of tea, uh, but she. I was happy for you because I, I knew Thank of you. <laughs> your, your liking of her. And uh, she seemed very charming, uh, but not my kind of music. But I, she, she did it as well as I would expect. So, Understood. Uh, Kalina, what do you think? I've never heard one of her songs in my life. Um, I listen mostly to music from like the 40s and 50s. And so truly, when I watch SNL, like 99% of the time, I usually mute the musical guests because I just simply like don't know who they are or I don't listen to them. That being said, I was immediately captured by her voice when I was kind of like doing mindless tasks. Um, she she has a beautiful voice. And I think I read an article that this current music is about her divorce or something. So it, it seemed very emotional. Um, seemed like a great performance, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it is actually, she put out like a 20 minute uh, music video sort of of like five or six different tracks uh, that you could find on YouTube. And it's all about like her personal experience about what she's gone through uh, recently. But I, I'm just happy for her. I followed her since like the beginning of her career and uh, totally well deserved. So um, yeah, just uh, happy for me. <laughs> All right. Uh, on a weekend update tonight, we got three different sets of guests rolling onto the update desk. First up, we have uh, Michael Longfellow playing a the character Dilbert here from the comic strip, who was uh, the news was out over the last little bit that the creator of Dilbert, Scott Adams, um, has been canceled for his uh, thoughts on racial harmony. Uh, so Michael Longfellow here, we got used to seeing him come out as himself doing some of his stand-up, but instead this was a fun take on a character. Uh, the only, like, not comparison in terms of style, but I was thinking about Andy Samberg, who did a couple of comic book characters back in the day on Weekend Update. Right, Bill, you remember that? Kathy, yeah. Kathy, <laughs> yes, Kathy. <laughs> so what do you think about Longfellow tonight, Bill? Uh, after his groundhog a couple of weeks ago, I guess he's the resident wacky Weekend Update correspondent now, uh, and, and I'm fine with that. Um, I was kind of surprised how heavy they went on the Dilbert stuff. I mean, obviously it was huge news this week, but I, other before hearing about all of this breaking, I haven't heard much about Dilbert in about 15, 20 years. Uh, so it was kind of surprising, uh, that they went with weekend update joke after weekend update joke and then bring out Dilbert. Uh, but maybe Michael Longfellow was sitting there going, I've got a really good Dilbert take and, they they put him on and he did great. I mean the the prosthetics were fantastic, um, and it hit all the notes that you would think of a comic book character coming to life on Weekend Update. So, and better than Baby yeah. Yoda for sure. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, definitely. Kalina, how do you feel about Longfellow's piece as Dilbert? I never want to talk about Baby Yoda. Um, I at this point was like a little bit annoyed with the Dilbert jokes. I felt like they were really going overboard on that. This was another instance where, like, I'm checked out of the news. I had not heard about this. I'm barely conscious of what the Dilbert cartoon comic is. Um, and then Michael really kind of brought me back into it. I thought the specific writing for him as Dilbert, I thought the jokes really landed. I thought he delivered them really well. Um, I laughed out loud at almost all of them. I found myself turning away from the little tasks I was doing to actually pay attention to what was going on, which is always a good sign for me um, during Update. 
And uh, are we also just covering update generally or specifically just? Uh, well, that's fine. You can talk about update generally, but we will talk about the other um, correspondence next. So uh, okay, let's yeah, just, that, 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 was, that was pretty much it. I was I was a little a little overdone, I think, um, with the Dilbert jokes, but I thought he did well. Yeah, I think that why this worked well for me is because Michael Longfellow, and I don't think he's the type of cast member that would, but actually like didn't really lose himself in the character here. Like there was still Longfellow that you got to see his like pure dryness that in his delivery of the jokes really works. And it goes to show you the future of the show with somebody like Michael Longfellow is not that we have to only see stand up for him or his personality as himself. There's an ability for him to do character work as a pure dry character that's going to deliver, you know, awkward and stilted jokes directly to the camera and just sit there in its uh, pacing the way that only he can do. And I, I think that worked tonight with Dilbert and it was really fun. I mean, all the stuff about, um, you know, his hair is his skin. So, <laughs> you know, like that, that worked. So uh, great job by Mikey Longs tonight. Okay, next up was uh, Mikey Day and Punky Johnson who come out to discuss celebrities that Punky has been confused by. So we start off with talking about Tony Hawk, who had cameoed in the premiere. Um, there's a little talk about Zoe Kravitz, who hosted last season. Uh, Patrick Dempsey. I know that uh, Punky's a big fan of Grey's Anatomy, which she's talked about. So uh, this was kind of fun, just to you know have Punky come out as herself. It's something that we don't, we haven't really gotten to see in her career. And Mikey, as a veteran cast member working with Punky here, this was a very exciting moment just from a pure meta aspect to get to see these two interact on the show. Kalina, what did you think of it? I loved this. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm just so, I think like emotionally invested in the show that I always get really excited when we get a little bit like through the crack in the door and get to see more of the cast members and their personality and a little bit more insight into who they are outside of the show. So I thought this was really fun. Um, I also <laughs> felt like a little triggered because I know so many people like this in real life. And I'm the big pop culture nerd in any of my friend groups. And so I'm usually the one lecturing people. And I work at a movie theater in Los Angeles. We get a lot of like very well-known guests that come in. And so often we will have like my, my coworkers will be literally like serving an Oscar winner. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's so-and-so. And they're like, who's that? Like, like completely no idea. So I really find myself relating to this. Um, it, I don't know. I already love Punky and I love Mikey and this just made me love them even more. It worked really well for me. So, Bill, uh, as I've told you before, last summer during Dress for Laughs, I got to hang out with Punky a little bit and got to talk to her. And one of the things we were talking about was like some of the hosts from last season. So obviously, knowing me, I was like, you got to tell me like about Will Forte and like what that was like that week. And she was like, the old guy? Yeah. Yeah. He was kind of weird. And I was like, wait, who are you talking about? She's like, you know, Will Forte, the old guy. And I was like, do you mean Willem Dafoe? So like, this is, this is Punky Johnson. Like, this is like actually legit who she is. So I have had this exact experience with her. What did you think of this piece, Bill? We're, we're getting meta within the meta within the meta. This is, this is uh, crazy. Yeah, no, this, this was so charming. You could tell it was real. You could tell that Mikey probably coaxed Punky into doing this because, you know, he kept grabbing her hand and, you know, kind of prodding her on. And, you know, she was kind of leaning towards getting embarrassed at first. And then, you know, she pulled it together and it's just so great. I mean, it's so rare that we get at the update desk, 
person playing themselves, but then to get two people playing themselves in the same correspondent bit was fantastic. Yeah. One of my highlights of the night for sure. Yeah, I love this. I love just seeing, you know, cast members come out as themselves. It lets us get to know them better and uh, root for them even more. So this was a win for me. And then another win where we get the return of Sarah News. This was cut from last week, uh, retooled slightly for this week, where Sarah Sherman comes out for her Sarah News piece, mostly surrounded by the fact that her birthday is coming up. We get some fun jokes about uh, turning 30 is too old for Colin Jost. And then, um, you know, the classic uh, dirt jokes and uh, lots of fun interactions between Sarah and Colin. And, you know, Bill, I just love that in year one of Sarah Sherman, we got to see her come out as herself, uh, really just, you know, prodding Joe's to say some crazy stuff. But it was really as her and then the development of Sarah News in year two is just like the escalation from year one to year two is fun as a viewer to get to watch her grow on the show. And I'm so happy that they brought this back. Bill, what did you think of it? So happy they brought it back. And I, I know there's I, I know it would be overkill if they did this too much, but I wish they would do it more. I mean, this is so great seeing Sarah in this element and mixing in the Jost jokes with how she ended uh, with the Sarah News. And, and I love the Peter Falk jokes I, I, that just cracked me up about the Columbo stuff with the who doesn't love a loose eye and a, and a resting cigar face. You know, check check my sopping chair like it's just so fantastic. Uh, even the super pig uh, w was great uh, talking about Joe's making uh, her way to eat. So uh, a lot of jokes on Joe's uh, uh, behalf tonight between uh, the racist stuff with Jay and then bringing Sarah out. But uh, this, this definitely worked for me and, and bring me more Sarah. Some small differences in this from last week in dress to this week in live. In last week in dress, there were some jokes about Cocaine Bear, the movie, in reference mm. to Colin. And uh, there was a onesie <laughs> that she brought out for uh, his son, Cosmo, saying, my dad is a predator. So that was something that they cut from this as well. So there was uh, there were certain things that they worked around here. But Kalina, what did you think of Sarah News? Oh, my God. I love it. I love Sarah, you know, and I, I, I think Update is such a special part of the show because it is kind of it's a platform for the actors to debut characters and put out kind of their wacky characters, but it's also one of the only chances they get to break the fourth wall to the audience as themselves. And so I think it really creates a space for them to shine, which continually we're seeing Sarah do. I think I also spent so many years watching Leslie Jones, like butter Colin up that it's nice to see the opposite and see every time Sarah's on there. I know she's just kind of going to tear him down. Anytime I hear her say this, Justin, I know there's going to be like an amazing delivery and something that's going to make me laugh. I think the two of them have really great just on screen fun chemistry together. And she's always a big energy lift in the show for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the interactions between correspondents and the anchors is something that goes back to the original incarnation of Weekend Update, you know, the days of Gilda Radner with, um, with Chevy or Lorraine, you know, you know, I guess, like on location with Chevy or John Belushi with Jane Curtin. I mean, these are fun things that we get to see, you know, throughout the history of the show is how do the different cast members interact with the anchors on Weekend Update. And I think that, you know, they lost an element of this when Leslie Jones was no longer with Colin Jost, but it has been very fun to bring back, you know, this, you know, with a show within a show. Um, so really enjoyed uh, having Sarah back on Update this week. Next up, we get Couple Song, and this was a sketch that was cut from two episodes ago. 
the Pedro Pascal episode, actually. So this was uh, this is from not too long ago, where Ego and JAJ, uh, JJ really channeling his uh, Michael McDonald here, where they were <laughs> right, uh, where they were uh, the two parents, and then we had Devin, Chloe, and Marcelo as the kids, uh, who are talking and singing about how mom has been cheating on dad, and um, the third is you know watching from the corner, who's played by Travis Kelsey. Uh, the character is, I believe, Sucre Woladarsky. He was uh, sitting on a chair and talking to them while he's playing Streets of Rage 2. So, uh, Bill, what did you think of this sketch? Well, my first note was uh, channeling Michael McDonald. So great minds, John. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this this was a little strange. Uh, we've gone away from the slice of life and, and wandered into this strange world. Um, we went full cuckold, which, you know, SNL always likes to put their toe in. Uh, going all the way back to Kyle. Remember Kyle? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, I like the escalation as we get into the different verses of the song. This next part is going to really spell it out. And then Travis starts spelling his actual name out. Um, and then ending with, uh, we go over that in the next part. And then they have to, you know, explain that uh, they've lost all their money. So, yeah, I mean, uh, hearing Ego and J.A.J. sing, I know some people aren't fans of all the singing we typically get on the show, uh, but I feel like this was a different kind of vein of that, uh, having them stand up there with the electric guitar and, and sing their infidelity. I think what was missing from this sketch for me was Travis Kelsey singing because he can sing. And he sang on Fallon a couple of weeks ago. He sang, you're going to, you got to fight for your right to party. And um, I really felt like they could have had him involved in the, you know, instead of sitting on the couch and being, you know, that like almost like a teenage, teenager playing video games, you know, it would have been more fun to have him involved in the proceedings in that way, uh, figuratively and literally. So I just really, um, you know, felt like that was a missing aspect of this sketch for me. But Kalina, I'm very curious what you thought of it. Should have stayed cut, if you ask me. <laughs> I was, okay. <laughs> I don't know. It just wasn't that funny. I agree that the Travis character felt kind of unnecessary. Like it, it felt like they were trying to do too much or write too many jokes in. And it felt like they never quite landed on like what their through line was or what the punchline was. And it felt like it was just going on and on. And I like kept looking at the TV and looking at the clock. I'm like, how long? I, the sketch could be three minutes or seven minutes. You can literally tell me the answer right now. And I would believe anything you say because it felt like it was just going on forever. I didn't really laugh at it. Singing in sketches is usually hit or miss for me. Um, sometimes I think it's really funny and, and you know makes it feel even wackier and sillier. Other times it just feels like so misplaced that it's distracting from whatever funny joke they're trying to tell. Um, very forgettable for me. I'll probably never think about it again after the podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, let me give you something to think about, which was that in dress rehearsal tonight, they did something pretty fun with this sketch, which this sketch aired before Weekend Update. Then on a Weekend Update, there was a cut joke about a solar kiss. And then JJ appears on Weekend Update as his character from this sketch, singing about how Mars also watched from the corner. And they continue the runner from the sketch into Weekend Update, which they lost the ability to do here by placing this after update. Mm. Bill, thoughts? Don't you tease me with a runner, John Schneider. What the hell? Are you serious? 
We yep. could have went back early 80s and done a Larry the Lobster with this J.A.J. character. Come <laughs> on, man. What are we doing out here? Yeah, that would have made it 100% funnier. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we got to fight now, for I, it. I have we, to ask, was Pedro supposed to play the Travis part? Uh, Ellis, if you are in the chat, let me know about that. We'll put it up on a screen as well to find Because I could see Dismukes playing that role in, in a very funny way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, uh, while we get that answer, let's head over to our next sketch, which was uh, the date sketch where Heidi and Travis are in bed and then uh, Bowen Yang walks in as Garrett and uh, he was supposed to go on a date with Heidi that night, but instead Heidi ended up with Travis. Um, and it's really this back and forth between the interaction of the three of them and then Bowen going into the bathroom on the side, talking to himself, saying, uh, you cannot kill them. And he wishes he didn't bring his poison. And he's, you know, wearing a, a Stewie Griffin shirt. It was, it was, this was a very bizarre sketch. Kalina, what did you think of it? I, yeah, I mean, it was so weird. It kept my attention. I, I can give it that much credit. Um, I, I think I was just so deeply thrown when it just kind of immediately goes to like, oh, I can't kill them. I was like, what? Because I was, I was trying to figure out why Bowen was in the home, right? Like what was going to be the thing. And then I didn't expect it to be that. And it just kind of felt like repetitive and like they kept just circling around the joke and never quite made it to wherever the destination was. Um, so I don't know. It was, it was funny enough, but nothing... I, I mean, I don't even have much to say about it. So obviously not something that caught too much of my attention. Sure. Bill, what do you think? Yeah, this this went nowhere. Uh, having two thruple sketches in a row. Like, what what are we doing here? Um, but yeah, I, Bowen made a meal out of everything that he had, but it wasn't a very big meal. Uh, and Heidi continued being in every single sketch with uh, Travis tonight. So I don't know, the Kansas City connection... Uh, was was pretty strong with those two. So, um, yeah, they did the best with what they had, but uh, it wasn't very much there. Yeah, I agree. I, I really felt like this was uh, service level. I think that uh, Bowen had some funny lines here. I did probably, the, my favorite parts of this was when Bowen was on his own talking to himself in the mirror. I think those were the best parts of this sketch. I just think that the interactions between the three of them were um probably needed to be tightened up a little bit um but i did like the manic energy he was giving when he was just trying to like talk himself down so i, I don't think like i said i mean I, I don't think this was very bad i just really felt like um it didn't completely hit for me yeah um next up we got uh finally we got the the final sketch of the night which was too hot to handle and uh, if you've ever watched this netflix dating show it's basically a show where a bunch of singles uh go out to uh you know a resort and they're all living together and they all spending the day talking about who they're going to hook up with only to find out that they're on too hot to handle where if they do anything physical uh, they will lose money from the prize pot for everybody. And it's a entire show about, you know, working through finding a love connection that isn't simply a physical one. And here we have Devin, Ego, JJ, Bowen, Sarah, Chloe, and Travis all playing the contestants, Heidi playing Lana, the cone that you see. I think Punky did a voiceover in this one as well. But it's really Chloe and Travis's characters as Glenn and Rodney who keep breaking the rules. And they're not really concerned about them breaking the rules, but they're more concerned of why is Travis hooking up with Chloe's character here. So, Bill, what did you think of Too Hot to Handle? 
A, John, you just explained that sketch a hell of a lot better than they explained it. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't understand. I don't watch dating shows. I, I never have. I don't really find them that interesting. Um, but I could find the premise of what was happening other than the money. I wasn't really sure what was causing, you know, other than them hooking up in some way. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, my highlight was the punky voiceover because I was like, wow, okay, great. Maybe she's going to take over all the Cecily stuff as far as that goes. Um, but, uh, yeah, this, uh, Chloe's character was kind of like if, uh, Sheila Sauvage and Amy Poehler's Amber character hooked up and had a baby. Like that was the vibes I got from this bookie woman. Yeah. It didn't work for me. Bad, bad way to end the night. Let me answer this question in the chat. Cause I have seen every season of too hot to handle. And, uh, Chloe was not, <laughs> Chloe, sorry to admit it. Uh, but, uh, Chloe was not playing a specific personality from the show. This was a character that was created for the sketch. Uh, Kalina, what did you think? Bro, I barely remember this sketch, and I watched it an hour right. ago. But like, <laughs> I have never seen Too Hot to Handle. I have never heard of it. I have no idea what the premise is. I didn't even know it was a Netflix show until you just said that. Um, in case you guys haven't figured out, I'm secretly 89 years old. Uh, so I don't know. All the jokes were over my head. I, I just like I didn't laugh at any of them. I don't think I really looked up at the screen because I didn't even hear like a piece of writing, you know, that that would catch my attention. So it was uh, the most forgettable of the night for me and agreed kind of kind of a bummer exit from such a strong start. Oh, G Cafe got to this right before me, but I'd say there was one line here that I just died at, which was <laughs> yeah. you are what you eat. So I guess I'm Rodney's ass. That was that was a great line that that That's salvaged true. this uh, just a little bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, I guess just a weird excuse for Chloe to be weird and to for people to question why Travis would want to be with her. Beyond that, I don't think that they actually tackled anything particularly funny about Too Hot to Handle, which by the way, just in terms of like, again, I know a lot of our listeners like probably never watched the show. Uh, this was like the hottest show at the beginning of COVID, like in 2020. Yeah. So this was, um, you know, like it's just, it didn't feel so timely as far as like somebody who is sort of like up to date on this stuff. All right, well, that does it for the live show. We're going to ask that our listeners and our panelists think about their ratings for the evening and final thoughts. Uh, we'll rate the show out of 10. While you're thinking about it, let me tell you about what was cut from the evening tonight. So we had four sketches that were cut. First off is the NFL United Way pre-tape, which I believe is up right now. So if you want to go and watch that, that one is up where Travis Kelsey, Creed Humphrey, one of the offensive linemen for the Chiefs, and Jason uh, Kelsey all play men who pick up women for scrawny men. So I won't spoil anything else about the sketch because you can actually go and watch that right now. We also have three other sketches, including a water park talk show where Andrew, Marcelo, Molly, and Michael are eighth graders going through puberty on a talk show. Uh, we also have a dinosaur exhibit uh, sketch where Andrew is a tour guide and Sarah and Devin uh, are asking questions. Uh, Travis and Molly are dirt bikers. We're talking about whether or not dinosaurs existed at the same time as dragons. A little bit of a weird sketch there. And finally, our last sketch is a sketch called Amazing Anne, where Heidi introduces a new cartoon character for kids to look up to. Uh, Bowen's in this, Chloe's in this, Travis is in this, and they're all talking about different quotes and ideas for this character. And they end up going with Travis's character uh, characterization because it appeals to a broad audience and um it's uh yeah amazing and dinosaur exhibit and water park talk show are the other ones that were cut from the night all right bill 
take us home with your rating. I'm going to be generous, give it a 7 out of 10. Uh, the beginning of the show, all the way up through update, and the first sketch after were really solid. The last two were bleh. So could have been a lot higher, but I'm going to go 7. Fair enough. Kalina, what did you think? Yeah, I'm kind of lingering between like a 6.5, a 6.7. I, I think if it had maintained the momentum that it had in the first half of the episode, I would have landed at a 7, but um, I think I'll stick with my 6.5-inch. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I have to say, um, probably I'm going to go, I'll go, I think this, the episode is probably more of a seven where I really felt like the first half of the, the show, uh, for me, minus tears was really strong. Like one, like absolutely a great start to the show. And I know a lot of people like the tear sketch. So I'll just say like the first half of the show was one of the strongest first halves of the season, in my opinion. So great there. Uh, expectations for Travis Kelsey, I think were limited because, you know, we didn't know how it was going to turn out, even though he's a high energy personality. I think he was really strong. Every time they put him in a role where he could succeed, he did. I'll give bonus points for Kelsey Ballerini just because I'm a big fan. And I think this was a fun episode to get to talk about. So overall, I a good night i'll say i'll land on a 7.5 for my rating from tonight and uh what could only be considered a huge step up from what we saw last week so um i'm excited to talk about this more during the week as we head towards jenna ortega and the 1975 next week but before we get there join us on monday night at 8 p.m eastern for our round table we will be back to break down the best moments and sketches of the week and talk about Travis Kelsey, athlete hosts, what our expectations are when we get to see them and what makes a good episode for an athlete host. So all of that on Monday night. Wednesday night, we're going to do our patron feedback show. We're, swip we're switching the patron show and the By the Number show just for this week. So on Wednesday night, join us for our patron feedback show. You can send in your questions on Tuesday of this week. Remember, if you want to send in your questions, get them in early this week. We'll put up that form on Tuesday where we'll answer your questions and look forward to the Jenna Ortega week. And then on Thursday night, Mike will be back with the By the Number show on Thursday of this week. And of course, we'll be back in one week's time for the Hot Take show to cover that before we get into a little bit of a hiatus. Bill Kenny, always an absolute pleasure to get to talk to you. What are you up to and where can the listeners check that out? John, thank you for having me as always. Always uh, fun to be on the Hot Take show and uh, get the immediate thoughts of uh, what we just saw. Uh, you can follow me at BKLove73 on all the socials. Absolutely. Kalina, thank you for joining us as well. Always a pleasure to get to talk to you. Where can listeners check out everything you got going on? Y'all can find me at Shut Up Kalina across socials. For sure. Well, make sure to follow us at the SNL Network, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. We got the marketing team putting up some great content this week and subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Please subscribe. It really helps people find the show and I do appreciate it. So for Bill Kenny, Kalina Steckel, and everybody else in the chat on the night of the Kelseys, my name is John Schneider from the SNN. We will see you next time, everybody. Have a good one.